And we're back. <laughs> Love saying that. Say it too much. But we mean it this time. We do mean it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know the last time we recorded something. We well, talked about communication, filters. Did. Yeah, long, we did. Yeah. It was a long ass time ago. It's a good one. We've been. It was right on time, though, because we got to carry that into our move. We did. <laughs> a few up like a while ago, I mentioned things like, oh, two big things are going on, and that's why we haven't been doing this, and we're so busy. Mm-hmm. One was your job related, mm-hmm. and this was the other. Bar house, mm-hmm. we moved. We did. Which I never want to do again. We're never going to do it again. Never going to move. I'm going to be buried here. Okay. Or... There's only one other option. Either I live in this house forever and die in it. (laughs) And then, or option two is we sell this house Mm -hmm. and 98% of the things in it. Mm -hmm. And then we retire to Ireland. With just our suitcases. With just our suitcases and a carry-on. That is it. (laughs) our carry-on. Not moving again. I was sore from packing things and moving a box from one part of the old house into another room in the old house. That made me tired and sore. Right. And we're not getting younger. No. No. This is a young person's game. Very much a young person's game. F that noise. Mm -hmm. I used to stretch before athletic competitions and sports practices. Now I stretch just for my day. Just for the day. It's a damn shame that you don't, you know, know where to take some yoga classes. It's like lack of access was not the issue. <laughs> the issue is having to do it to function as a person. Yep. Yeah. It's different. It hits different. Hits hard. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it. Some days I roll with it. Some days I'm like, Jesus, F and A. Mm-hmm. I used to, I used to be better at this. <laughs> Moving. No, just, I mean, existing in the world. Yeah, without... moving your body. Yes. Oh, I thought you meant like moving. <laughs> no, moving your body. Sorry. Yep. Clarifying. Moving my body used to be easier. Can we talk about how cute Henry is for a moment? Because sure. he's the best dog in the world. He's pretty good. He's so cute. A thousand percent right. He's pretty cute. And he's just laying on my foot right now. Yeah. To keep it warm. It's great. Yeah, it's 85 degrees outside, but you know. But my feet are still cold. Oh, of course. So, you know. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about, but no. I just had to give Henry a shout out. A shout out? <laughs> Is it 1998? <laughs> Giving Henry a shout out. Shout out to Henry as he uh, licks his own feet. No, he's stretching. boy. Mm-hmm. Are we already getting into what we're here to talk about? I think so, unless you have a front desk scenario. Not really. No. No. I mean, I I anticipated talking about Indiana Jones, Mm. because I thought we would have seen it, because we were supposed to a couple days ago. We were supposed to go see it yesterday. But we didn't. Life had other plans. Right. So I'm not even going to... All I know is, like, I haven't watched a whole lot of reviews or people talking about it, clips here and there, so I'm going to reserve any judgment for when I actually see it, like I've freaking normal person should mm-hmm. yeah that's all i had and i was gonna also what oh oppenheimer's not even coming out until next week right right <clears throat> so yeah so no i guess the answer is no i have no front desk nothing to check in nothing something may in. pop up shortly out of nowhere and i won't try to do any non-sequiturs okay stay on task and whatnot but since we're here to talk about something. You mentioned this yesterday, and I don't know what it is. Okay, but we're going to start with a pop quiz. Oh. I feel like pop quizzes are loaded. What? There's no... No, no, no. This is... I, I would never do that to you. I would never do that to you. Okay. I like to give you pop quizzes where we can help you unlearn whatever pop quiz trauma you have from school. Okay. So, can you list okay. the four horsemen of the apocalypse? Ooh. War, famine, disease, and pestilence? I may have repeated myself. It's war, famine. Yeah, Did I get it right? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I had the answer. I was just wondering if you knew, because I don't really know what they are. I just know that there are... 
So today we're going to talk about the five to one ratio in relationship, specifically handling conflict. Um, and sometimes when talking about conflict in relationship or relationship dynamics, people will refer to the four horsemen of a relationship. Whoa. Yeah. And so I wondered what the four horsemen of the apocalypse is, because I feel like that that's a bible thing that you might know. Yes, it is a reference to that. Uh, let's see. A cursory search on Google. Death, war, pestilence, and famine. What is pestilence? Uh, I think it's disease. Death, war, disease, and famine. Oh. I don't know. I thought a... there was like conquest in there. Yeah, I'd say some searches come up and say conquest, war, famine, and death. Um, you know, maybe it's like the Beatles. There's a fifth one. <laughs> or it's like a, you know, like football or basketball teams have like the sixth man award because the basketball team plays with five and they're like an honorable mention. Who oh. is the sixth man? Who is the person you would want in if the starters or the 12th man for football since there's <clears> 11? I think we can be really confident in saying that sports ball references and Bible references are not my Ballywick. No, but that does that shouldn't stop you from doing them. Please make all of them. Right. Yeah, I do. You ask questions <laughs> and you're like, did I get that right? <laughs> and I say no. Like when I say Hail Marys. Yes. Mm-hmm. When you just smash every prayer ever written together. Hail Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I just say, stop it. You just stop it. I think it just makes it more potent, personally. Okay. That's what I think. So if I mix Dr. Pepper and Pepsi, would you be like, here's a more potent soda? Maybe. Gross. I mean, depending on what type of potency you're going for. So, four horsemen of the bible things. That's something I learned in this moment. Mm-hmm. Because I only know the four horsemen in relationship. And... Oh. The four horsemen in relationship has to do with criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Ooh. All right. Those are the four relationship horsemen. Are they called the four horsemen? Yeah. Of a relationship? Yeah. Really? I mean, it's like I mean, you don't want to call them, You don't want to call them pillars. It's doomsday if that's happening. Okay. Right? Isn't wow. that what the four horsemen is? It's like apocalyptic. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the sign of your relationship this apocalypse. Is, this is the relationship end times. Yes. If these four, if these, if these four are present and present consistently, and they hang out together and have, I, I love the reference. This is amazing. I'm serious. This brings us to an epic scale. Epic scale. <clears throat> so the five to one ratio, which is actually what we're here to talk about in relationship, has to do with interactions. In general, and more specifically in conflict. Mm. And so you'll, you can pick up and notice the presence of the four horsemen throughout negative exchanges in relationships. Uh, and if that ratio of negative interactions is higher than, uh, well, is, is even remotely close to equal to the mm. amount of positive exchanges in a relationship, mm. you're heading towards the four horsemen. Or the four horsemen are... Or the four horsemen are, are heading towards your relationship. <laughs> Jesus. Woo! I will lay waste <clears throat> to your relationship. Uh, so... Okay, so there's a magic ratio. The magic ratio is five to one. So for every five positive... Uh-huh interactions having one negative interaction is okay oh okay so that's the that's the and that's the limit right that's like you don't want to exceed this five to one at all right this is the maximum maximum occupancy of negative interactions yep yep okay and so a lot of times it's like can you maintain five to one Mm. on the regular like like that's a pretty low bar can Mm, you can you maintain five to one on the regular like when things are going well when things are fine Mm. can you maintain five to one when you're in conflict that's hard like that takes a lot of discipline it Mm. takes a lot of 
um, releasing of the ego, a lot of releasing an attachment to being right and being righteous in an exchange. And then it's also like <clears throat> whenever you're talking about something important, right? So it might not be necessarily an argument and it's still like, it's not a light and fluffy conversation. It's a, it's an important conversation about something. Oh, not just like a side quest type of conversation that doesn't mean anything. And then right. there's a disagreement that turns into bickering because is yep. that what you're talking about? Or I mean, that could be an example. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, more like, um, like, something that isn't hasn't necessarily yet escalated to an argument hmm. and maybe you don't immediately see eye to eye about this thing and it's an important thing it's a values related thing or it's a life goals related hmm. thing you know um i mean like you could give the example of if you're like honey i want to enroll in I don't know, mime school <laughs> I should pick. I mean, it's a great example. I don't know. I'm trying to come up with an example of like. I'm searching for mine <clears throat> schools right now. You're gonna search for them. Yep. See how much it is. <laughs> you know, and so your partner's like, I'm. I think I want to do this thing, and they just make this, you know, kind of off the cuff announcement of like, yeah, oh, I'm I looking know. into mine mime school. <laughs> I've been there. I know exactly what that feels like. What? What are you talking about? You do that, I or do? you have done it. About what? Well, you just just have said like. I would like to do this now. Or mm. what if we did this? And right. yeah, you just roll with it. You just roll with it. Right. Some people may not roll with it. Yes. Right. Right. And so can you, even if you're like mime school, what the actual F is my partner talking about right now? Like what, how's this going to be useful? What, like how much time is this going to take up? How much right. money is this going to cost? Like immediately go to all of the resources and time it would take to do this thing while weighing also potential right um like positive outcomes like all this and like what are we going to get out of it kind of thing yeah and it's not uncommon it's not like a bad thing to go to negative mind mm. and to have that like discernment of like is this financially responsible do we have time for this is this going to fit into our day-to-day -day life? Are you going to quit your job and become a mime? Like, is that fiscally responsible? Is that work out in our schedule and juggling all the things? So it's not wrong for your mind to go that way. And yet you have to return to a five-to-one ratio and you have to first be able to pause. <laughs> and if you don't pause, and the first... Uh, thing out of your mouth is this the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of in my life because you didn't pause and you had, you know, mouth diarrhea. Yeah. Then there has to be that moment where you're like, oh, let me rephrase. Right. You know, like I would never choose to go to mime school, but I could see how this would be exciting for you. It would be something new and you've been craving, you know, to now, break out of monotony. I have a question for you. Uh-huh. You threw out mime school <laughs> as this like ridiculous example. It's it's not. Now, well, I mean, for me. Okay, yeah. Could you think of something that I would say like that that would be believable to you, but also almost equally like, huh, where did this kind of come from? Or like, this is... Well, I mean, probably when you were like, I'm all done teaching. Yeah. You were like, I'm I'm not doing this. And what could I have said that would have been like, Ooh. that would have required a little bit of pause and not just like a yes, I'm behind, behind you 100%. Um, but would also be believable for me. I don't know if, I mean, and I don't, I don't know if there is an example that you could tell me and I would mm. be like, instantly, this is ridiculous because that's not how I operate. It's true. You know, like. I don't move through life as, you know. Right, you I, are the dreamer in the relationship. Right, I am not the dream squisher. Right. <laughs> and um, and I also don't often operate in the like, is this logical? I don't give a shit. It's true. If things are logical. I, yeah, I could say almost anything. Yeah. And you would, you would not squash it immediately. No, no, no. Yeah. No. It's just not, that's not my role in anybody's life. So if you need a dream squisher in your life, uh, it's not me. No. <laughs> it's not me. It's not. I'll be like, yes. 
Let's do it. Yep. What do you need? Yeah. Um, how can I support it's you? Too bad I don't have dreams. Stop it. <laughs> and you do have dreams. Okay. And I'm fully on board with all of them. You are. Fully on board. So I think like when when our partners come to us with something that might not necessarily be like, this isn't a hot button topic in the relationship because you've never mentioned it before, right? Right. It's not like a long-standing argument that yeah. happens every 72 to 96 yeah. hours. It's not like, you know, why are there socks everywhere? This is coming up again. In the yeah. house. Like, ah, uh, mm. you know? Um, so that's what I mean by like, can you have that five to one ratio when you're just talking about something important? Mm. So there's a few categories, like five to one ratio in regular life. Okay. Should be relatively I mean, easy. If you're not hitting that number, I, I mean, I would reevaluate. I mean, I would just highly recommend counseling like that. Oh, yeah. You know, like if that's not the baseline and it's not necessarily doomsday, if it's not the baseline, it may just not have been something that you were taught to do. And I think that when we're under 30 in particular, yes. like the difficulty level of this gets mm -hmm. amped because our brains are still growing and we're figuring out who we are. There's a big hook into identity in mm. your 20s. And so if somebody, you know, yeah. comes at you with conflict in your 20s, it's a it's a direct assault on right. who you are, it right? A, it's much more, the ego is very tender. Whereas you're in your 40s, I mean, hopefully, <laughs> you're, you're not like, oh, your opinion about me wanting to go to mime school is like the thing that's going to break me. <laughs> right. Like, you don't have to like that I want to go yeah, to mime school and God, I'm going. I don't care about... Opinions? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I've been having this realization lately. Just couldn't care less. Yeah, I mean, I... I mean, your opinion matters to me. Yeah. And there's a handful of other people um, about certain things, but yeah, could not care less. I think that there are maybe three people on the planet, maybe four, mm. whose opinion matters to me. Mm. And honestly, if you were like, if you mm -hmm. agreed with what I was saying. Right. And somebody else didn't. Yeah. Regardless of who that was. Right. would be like, sucks to be you. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I turn to you very often and say things like, am I out of my mind? Am I losing my mind right now? Am I? Everyone can see this. And this is happening. Am I crazy? And I have to look at you and be like, am I insane? Right. Like, did I just witness this? And I have this thought. We were definitely at a party somewhere or something where mm -hmm. someone... Had, there was an interaction and someone said something and I responded and the woman exactly the woman about. responded back and said something and I'm like that doesn't matter what you said doesn't matter because of this reason and it was at a friend's house and I didn't want to like start a fight with this pretty much stranger so I'm mm -hmm. like I'm gonna drop this but then I had that moment where like am I insane like am I am I wrong am I like what is going on right now and I think I had a it was when we were driving home I think I had to ask you, like, am I insane? Was I speaking gibberish? What's right. going on? <clears throat> because, I mean, this is a really great example, too, because in relationship, we often serve as the other person's mirror, right? Mm. So if you don't call each other out, call each other in, whatever, however you want to say it, if you don't, if you're unable to have those conversations where you're like, yeah, so mm. I am 100% on board with exactly what you were thinking in that moment and i know what scenario you're talking about yep and this is why it was unnecessary for you to have pushed that further which mm. you didn't do right and so i'm able to give you feedback that is both supportive five to one ratio mm. and also a <clears throat> you would not have come out of that scenario looking good right now had you like doubled down on what you were trying right. to say. Right. Now it's like to play it out as if I did. Uh-huh. Right. Like if I did like push the topic, you know, ask questions and like continue this kind of confrontation to keep the five to one ratio, mm -hmm. You, I don't know what you would have done. Like you were right. Like you were uh, you technically correct. Like you were, what you're saying was correct and made sense. Yeah. And maybe... <laughs> 
a party is not the best. This wasn't the best scenario or time for this kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, a party isn't a necessary place for engaging in conflict, period. Hands down. Right. Like, full stop there. I mean, not even party. Like, small you know, gathering. Even like, you know, you gather with people you've known for years. Yeah. And just- people get so comfortable where, like, sometimes is this conflict going to happen right now? Between maybe two other people? Oh, apparently it is. Mm. I would say maybe not now. I don't care how long you've known the people or people really want to do that sometimes. I know. I know. Well, and and so the other part too is like giving you feedback of would that have been worth? So not even telling you Mm. because sometimes when we're giving feedback to someone, we present it in such a way that's like, well, this is how I would have done this. And you did it wrong, or you mm. could potentially have done it wrong. Right. It's and, and instead to ask questions. So, you know, I can't stress enough. The more I witness and have witnessed conversations in the past ten to twelve years amongst twenty somethings, there is so mu- it takes so much of me to just not say, "Would you just shut up?" Mm. And maybe ask a question. <laughs> or ooh, ooh, ooh. maybe you ask a question or you don't need to respond to everything. And if you ask a question, if you manage to pull your head on straight enough to ask a question from someone that you're in conflict with or disagreement with or whatever, actually listen to their answer. Yeah. Otherwise... Why'd you ask that question? Yeah. There's because a lot you of that didn't too. actually care what the answer was. There's a lot of question asking and not listening to the answer. Like there's question asking for confirmation and just like, oh, I want to confirm that you agree with me. You don't? Oh, that's fine. Then I'm stopped listening. Yeah. Yeah. So it can be hard in the heat of a conflict or in a stressful conversation. Um, that you weren't anticipating that kind of felt like it came out of nowhere to stay in that five to one ratio. So one of the things like the first question you can ask yourself, if you feel yourself getting into that place of like reactivity is, can I be interested in what this person is saying? Mm. Can I be interested? Can I be authentically interested and curious like it take like that ted lasso episode right where mm-hmm. he's like be curious be curious not, not judgmental, judgmental. Yeah. right so can you stay in that place of curiosity and interest so your partner starts complaining about something like you know oh the house is a mess and and there's stuff everywhere are you in this place of like ooh I wonder, like, the house is as messy today as it was yesterday. (laughs) I wonder what is different today. Like, are you in that curiosity or are you immediately, like, you know, defensive, Mm. you know, which is one of the four horsemen. Mm. So, you know, it's like being interested and curious is like the antidote to defensiveness. Mm. And can you also just maintain this this place, particularly in intimate relationships, right? That maybe this isn't about you. Maybe yeah. it's not personal. Maybe there's something deeper going on. So you don't have to shut down and like be in this defensive mode. Um, you know, like, and then it's like, well, what does being interested look like? Like, how do you know that I'm interested in what you're saying? Um you're looking at me and not like your phone and you're asking a question, you're responding appropriately as if you were listening, not just being like, huh, that's interesting. What's that like? Or like, (laughs) oh, okay. Huh. You actually, you know, asking Mm -hmm. questions, follow-up questions, excitement. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, it's, it will take training, Mm. particularly when you're in any kind of fight or flight, right? Like if, You've not worked through whatever triggers defensiveness in you. Your partner could say some things, maybe even that are kind of innocuous, and you'll go to the defensive. And it takes 
significant habit training, training over and over and over again. So it's like, like, I don't care. Put it on little sticky notes around your house. Be curious, not defensive. Put it on your bathroom mirror, like write it on the inside of your wrists. I don't give a shit. Like whatever you need to do to remember because it won't be a habit. And until you eradicate your ego, which for me was pretty easy. Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, it didn't. Wasn't as nearly Whoever that freaking psychic was that said that to you. I <laughs> want to visit them and be like, "Oh, I'm just speaking." Listen, I'm saying, I'm speaking in jest. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I mean, and we have to remember that it's really hard to create a new pattern of behavior when you are activated, mm. when you are triggered, when you are in right. fight or flight. Oh, don't you hate that word? I hate that word now. Yeah, I but I saw this thing that said um that that was a really that's a really great like inquiry around being triggered is like if you weren't triggered Oh, were you triggered? Great. Because if you weren't triggered, then how do you know where your work is? Right. Oh, I there's I don't think there's anything wrong with identifying that. I think it's it's that it's just become overused to it's watered down. Because it's used in situations that, in my opinion, I'm not a trained anything, so I don't know the details about what this word actually means, like is the clinical definition for right. triggered. Since I don't know, here's how I operate. Triggered is when you experience something, and in your body, mm-hmm. it triggers, meaning a trigger has been pulled, and then, I mean, let's see. If we're using the gun as a metaphor. I know. That's why I don't like triggers. Well, okay. I mean, like in this metaphor, you pull a trigger and then that carries out a series of of like interactions or things that yeah. result in something else. Not good things. So after that, like, it's just like, for me, it's like you see something, hear something, and it's triggering. in your That triggers something in your body like that is uncontrollable. Where like to the point where... It maybe it brings you back to a certain like moment or feeling or time when this thing became part of your physiology because that's mm-hmm. what it is. People now use it for like when they remember something. It's like oh, I'm triggered. No, actually, you just remembered when this happened. I it, it's not a trigger because to me again, part of being triggered is is some level of extreme intervention by yourself that is necessary to resume homeostasis. Like, I have to remember to breathe deep. I need to remove myself myself from this situation. Yeah, I need to go lay down for five minutes. Mm-hmm. If you are still present in the area where this quote-unquote trigger happened, wasn't a trigger. Or like if you're not doing anything that is obviously some sort of like care to return yourself to a normal state, not a trigger. It's just a memory. You just remembered something slightly unpleasant, not a trigger. Don't know if that's true or not. That's <laughs> how I'm operating. Well, I just don't like that there's a gun reference in there. You know, like, that's why I don't like, so I just typically say, like, activated. What has been activated well, that is- that sounds way too positive for what it means. <laughs> is that you've activated your sympathetic nervous system. Mm. Like, your sympathetic nervous system is activated, and then- you can either be in awareness of that and make a choice or not be in awareness of that and mm. let that be in the driver's seat. Like right. hand the keys to the three-year-old that lives right. inside you, right? Like, here you go. You drive the car. Right. That's why I think it's overused as people sometimes mean it like, oh, this made this triggered when you're still in the driver's seat. Like you're still in the driver's seat. seat, then I don't I would not consider it being triggered. To me, it, it to warrant this extra term means there's another level of severity that went with the memory and the reaction. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm only enlightened. I'm not a trained psychologist. Dear God. <laughs> I just say this now just to see your eye roll. Your eye roll is worth some of the ridiculous things I say. Well, you know what? Obviously, my eye rolls are not triggering for you. No. And that's that's one of the things. So like when we are in conflict our negative interactions might not be what we say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like the five Mm. positive, like you can be saying to your partner, um, it's really frustrating for me when X, Y, and Z happens. 
and your body language I was just, is... I was just thinking that was the first one I thought of was body language. Yep. Your body language is open. It's soft. It is connecting. It isn't like arms crossed, you know, facing away, not making eye contact, uh, you condescending, know, condescending, yeah. that kind of stuff. So, <clears throat> you know, it's the, the five to one ratio is tricky because it's something that you have to practice when you're not triggered or right. activated. You know, it's like when I was going into schools and, and doing mindfulness lessons, right? Constantly administration would be like, well, you know, we we're trying to implement these mindfulness things, but they're not listening. And I'm like, <laughs> when are you implementing the mindfulness things? Right. And they're like, well, we tell them to breathe when they're freaking out. And it's like, you can't learn a new skill right. when you're freaking out. So you have to practice the new skill when you're at baseline, you have to practice this ratio and awareness of the ratio. How many kind things have I said to my partner today? How many connecting things? And have I expressed affection appropriately today in a way that my partner likes to receive affection too? Because mm. that's the other aspect of it. Like, you can't love bomb somebody that doesn't want to be touched. You can't like, you know, well, I I tried to kiss you four times today and you didn't want to kiss me. And so now I'm pissed at you and fuck this ratio. Like I like what you said about uh, condi- like controlled or baseline mm-hmm. conditions. And maybe, I mean, a sports metaphor. It's like, you know, when your season begins for whatever sport, what do you do first? Do you play your first game? Is that the first thing you do? Or do you have weeks of practice under very controlled conditions where you can learn the new things and the new skills and try all these things? You practice. It's like you can't practice. Like your first experience with this skill can't be in a heightened sense or a you know, pressure. pressure experience, like right. the first opening day of whatever season. Like that's not the first time you touch a ball. Right. You know, it's the weeks before when you can control the environment a lot better. And I don't know anything about sports ball, but you wouldn't walk on a stage to perform a monologue yeah. that you have not rehearsed. Yep. Where there's 200 people staring at you and the lights are on and, you know, the pressure is turned up. So, where are you practicing the ratio? Where are you bringing awareness of the ratio? And it's like, huh, have I expressed affection to my partner today? Have I said something kind and connecting to them for no reason mm. other than this is how we communicate and and we create these communication patterns so that when your partner comes to you and is like, listen, I'm really frustrated because X happened. It keeps happening. I keep talking about it and I don't feel like I'm being listened to. You're able to ground in a response that sounds something like, number one, wow, like this is probably really hard for you to bring up. Mm. And I recognize that and I love you. And let's figure this out together. Like, you know, yes, this is hard to talk about. Yes, this is something that typically we butt heads about. And like, how can we figure this out together? Because the looming conflict doesn't feel good. The vibration energy in the space doesn't feel good. So not talking about it isn't going to work. That's going to, you know, breed resentment. It's probably going to breed contempt, which is one of the four horsemen of relationships. And the second that we step over into resentment, contempt, bitterness, like our entire perspective on who our partner is will shift Mm. with those, like carrying those bags around. Can we call them the four horsemen of like breakup? Because it's like the four horsemen of apocalypse. Yeah. It's the four horsemen that will bring in the end times. So it's like the it's not like the four horsemen that will bring in the relationship. It's right. Like yeah. Four horsemen of the end of the relationship. The four horsemen of Dumps, divorce. Dumpsville. Dumpsville. Divorce, yeah. You know, like Splitsville. Splitsville. Population U. What is a play on the word divorce or like breakup and apocalypse? We gotta mush mm. those together. Can you mush mm. them? You're so good at mushing words. Divorce ellipse. <laughs> No. Apocavorce. Apocavorce. Yeah, we, uh, we can do better. We'll workshop that out. Yeah. Something it's, it's like poor horsemen of your relationship dumpster fire. Um so 
Um, yeah. So to keep that five to one ratio, like be interested, express affection, practice expressing affection. If you are not expressing affection regularly, it's definitely not going to come to you when you're annoyed with the person. Yeah. So like, and if affection and showing affection is something that's hard, it does become like something that you're in training for, yeah. you know, it, it, um, and and also recognize, like, we've talked about the five love languages before, right? How does your partner receive affection? Because if you're trying to give them affection with holding their hand when, you know, they want to slap you upside the head, that's not going to work uh, if that's not how they receive affection. Mm, so right. if it's words of affirmation, Ugh, if it's, it's quality the, time. The worst one. You actually like words of affirmation. You just don't want to like words of affirmation. Um, I do like words of affirmation. I don't like them from people whose love language in expressing it to other people is words of affirmation. Like, if I gave words of affirmation, it would mean a lot because I don't say much. Someone else who just says nothing but this is like a. This <laughs> if you love everything, uh, it's, it's exactly meaningless. It's like a <laughs> quote I had a few weeks ago. But if like someone is just spouting off love at everyone just, to everyone, you're just spraying love around. It doesn't mean a goddamn thing, <clears throat> right? If every if it's like <laughs> this is going back to like massage school. This I is think, this talk. is about quality, not quantity. Of course, yeah. Because if it's like. It's like I I love an I love like if I just sent an email as a reminder, hey, don't forget this thing is happening. Thank you, Matt. I love and appreciate. I can feel the eye gazing at me through <laughs> this response. I love and appreciate and cherish everything you okay and okay. what you bring to this organization forever and all time. I'm like all I said was an email. This is not warrant the a uh, thank you. Uh, if you said thanks, thank you. Word word. I would, I, that would mean more because it feels just so much more genuine and right. not like, okay. Now, if I pulled your cat out of a uh, house fire, mm-hmm. then like, yeah, I, that might worth be more, you know. Or when you lifted that old lady over the fence at the Women's <laughs> March. <laughs> I picked her up like Bane picked up Batman in The Dark Knight Rises. I was like, I have you. No, I didn't. You do did that. not. She was this poor woman. God, that was a freaking. I don't know how I did that. I don't know how you did it either. Not you the get picking so up the many, woman. You get so many, so many husband points for going to Women's March. It's your just fresh hell. It was so many people. For, it wasn't like it wasn't. I can't even find the words. <laughs> it wasn't going to a march like that. Right. It wasn't going to DC. It wasn't the driving. It was not. Even the idea of being in a crowded place, because I like concerts and festivals. Right. It was just so crowded. Mm -hmm. Dangerously so. Mm -hmm. It really was. Dangerously crowded. They did not anticipate that many people. And it was, we couldn't couldn't move. move. Like, do you remember trying to get from where we were to the porta potty? It literally took 45 minutes to walk 50 feet. Yep. It was that insane. So as we're walking down the street, this woman who had to be in her late 60s at mm-hmm. the least. She was stuck. She was stuck. She was trying to climb over a small fence. I mean, it was probably... It was like a temporary fence. Temporary fence. Yeah. Five feet. Yep. Not not that. It wasn't ridiculous. But she's basically just sitting astride the top of the fence and was kind of like, I don't know how to finish this. I don't I can't know. I started. Down. Started. And, I'm and my old lady friends can't help me. <laughs> I don't even know if I tap you on the shoulder or just like, hold on a second. I no, think. I look back and you're just lifting this old woman off of a fence i'm like what is happening today what is going on i have never in my life felt more like superman i knew you were gonna say because that's exactly it it just would have just like i literally (laughs) placed a woman on the ground i felt like i'm just putting lois lane on the ground and i just said she said thank you i said you're welcome and i just walked away I mean, but you got words of affirmation from the rest of us because we were like, oh, man, that's so nice. You're the best. And I do think that you accept words of affirmation from me. 
Like, so right. when we're talking about in the context of relationships and communication and, and things like, you know. Right. Because you don't blow hot wind up my ass. Like, you're not talking for the sake of talking. I don't blow hot wind up anybody's or ass. Or say things for the sake of saying them. Right. <clears throat> exactly. So, figuring out how your partner receives affection, practicing that, and then practicing bringing that into conflict. Like, if physical touch is your partner's love language and how they receive affection, then it would be useful in conflict to, you know, to be close to them, Mm. to put your hand on their leg, to make sure that there's physical contact after the like heightened part of the discussion has subsided. Um, Can I bring up something that I said this before, but I can't stress enough. And it's just so, it's just an easy answer like to how to do these and how to do these better. Just meditate every day. I swear to God, nothing in my life has made me, has given me the ability to pause in times of stress or conflict and wait a beat before saying or doing something than that. I can't, like, not a lot. Like, and this is ties into another thing that drives me goddamn crazy. And people say shit like, oh, I can't do this. I'm like, well, you know, you can't, you it, unless you practiced and did anything, you wouldn't be doing anything. Right. Anything at all. Anything. Anything at all. So, man, mm-hmm. I just am thankful that I kind of latched onto it, and especially when I was still teaching. But even in like day to day, where something happens and it's just, oh, there's that moment of pause that kind of just happens now that I that I have to intentionally think to do less and less because it kind of just happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um it it's like maintenance, you know, and it's also meditation is also an opportunity to just watch how your mind will just do all kinds of shenanigans that yeah. you don't have to interact with, that you don't have to take seriously, that you don't have to follow through on that impulse or that thought. Um, because you actually get a chance to watch it and be like, oh, that's this is all over the place. Like, <laughs> man, I don't need to catch all these butterflies. Like, they could just do their thing, and I can, you know, watch them move the way that weather moves. So, um, another thing to f- kind of keep in mind when looking for the ratio is how you treat each other outside of conflict in general influences how you will handle inevitable disagreements in relationships like it's inevitable to disagree with someone at Mm. some point you will add living with them to it way more opportunities for disagreement Mm. add raising a family paying bills having responsibilities all of those things will add to the potential for disagreement and and so it's like what are the small things that are really the big things i think we've talked about that before what are the small things that you do, the small acts in your relationship that you do that show that you care, that are very, very powerful? We think of small acts. I think when we think things like this, small and big things, we're, think, we're, we're measuring them wrong. Mm-hmm. Because it's not like the time it took to do it or uh, you know how much effort. It's not the quality of the size. It's the quantity. Like little things like your socks. Like, yeah, that's a little thing, but not really because you see socks every day of your life if you live with someone. Right. There's a there's the dish that you used that's not where it should be. Mm-hmm. It's it's just little. I mean, it's not because it's every day of your life. So we're like we're we're, we're we need to recalibrate. Yeah. We're measuring it wrong. It's yep. not like the size. The quantity and scope, adds up. Right. It's not <clears> the size <throat> and scope of the thing. It's more of like over time. And so, like those two examples were like the negative things and what are the what are the positive things you know like what what are those in your relationship that over time equal this much bigger representation of showing that you care about your partner showing your partner that they matter to you that what they feel and how they experience the world and how their day looks 
matters. You know, like yesterday. So we've, you know, we talked frequently about how you bring me coffee in bed. Yeah. And um, yesterday you went golfing. I did. Right. And on golfing days, like, obviously, I'm not getting coffee in bed. No. Wow. That face you just made. (laughs) Holy cow. And, and so on top of the fact that I could have a, a feeling about that or a reaction about that. I'm like, oh, you know, he goes golfing and I don't get coffee in bed. Whoa, Damn it. Oh, woe know, is woe me. Woe is me. Woe is me. Like, it, could it be a reason in other relationships to be like resentful and annoyed that your partner's going to do this thing and then it disrupts your like pattern together or your day together? He's not going to be here, you know, that kind of stuff. Sure. And that type of thinking, you know, like we go back to, if we go back to the four horsemen, right? We're, we're back to contempt. Um, so what is the story that you're telling yourself about this thing not happening, right? So that's one side of it. That's the part that's on me. Like that's, mm. that's my responsibility to deal with. What is the story that I have when my partner goes and does things that is for them, that is only for them, that benefits them and recognize that that benefit to them outweighs any of the other aspects of how this shifts the day or the rhythm, because it's so important that our partners go into the things that they love and that bring them joy and that step them into that place of like, just experiencing fun and being interested in something and having hobbies. It's important for humans to have those things. Um, then on the other side of it, like, you could be like, well, I'm going golfing, you know, and just leave. Mm-hmm. And you you don't do that. You have the awareness that you're, from your perspective and end of this, like, and I don't know if this is a conscious thought. Maybe it is. You can tell me. Uh, that oh, you're definitely. Like, that you're like. Is that being sweet? Totally 100% conscious. <laughs> you're like, what can I do to still make my wife's morning pleasant and lovely? You took the dogs out before you left. You didn't make the coffee, but you got the coffee already. All I had to do is come downstairs and push the button, which was completely unexpected. I would never expect you to do that. And so I come into the kitchen and and not only are the dogs not like going crazy needing to go outside because you've already done that, but I just opened the thing to make coffee and the coffee was already in there. It was. I just had to push a button. Now, full disclosure, I did not take the dogs out. You did. See now, now here, now this is the change. I would have this is a kind of a change since moving here because we don't can't just let them out. Can't just let them out. Old Mm -hmm. place, it was a pretty self-contained yard. I can just let them all out. They run around, they do their business, and I can bring them back inside. There's no fence here, so I need to bring them on leashes. Yep, and need to watch them. So in the old house, I would let them out, and then I have like would have like a golf club when I know I would be going out in the morning by the door. And as I'm walking around with the dogs, I would just like start swinging it, get a little loose, you uh-huh. know, because I'm old and need to spend every ounce of something beforehand warming up. Yep. Just like stretching out, you know, put it over my shoulders, stretch out my back and shoulders and stuff. And just getting loose um, outside. So I can't do that now. So I didn't even let them out. Pretty much thinking also I would be back by 845 mm-hmm. at the latest, maybe nine. And they can wait till then. Yep. Um. So I didn't do that, but I did intentionally, obviously, pre-make. I got the coffee ready for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't even take coffee. Like, I didn't even, like, make coffee in the pot and leave it there for you whenever you got up. I just ground the... Which I would never drink anyways. It's gross. Right. Because... (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I just left it there because I figured, yes, that was the intentional sweet Mm -hmm. part. I was like, I'll get this ready for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's like that is a demonstration of how I matter to you mm. and how, and not just how I matter, but how I experience my day matters to you. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's just the little, it's the little things that over time add up and they, and they become like the really big defining things in the relationship you know uh one of the things like i've always known about matt 
since we were dating. Oh boy. <laughs> um, and you know, honestly, this is probably a credit to my mother-in-law. Uh, and and the way that she shows affection and the way that she demonstrates that people matter is with food. <laughs> so it this is a very easy love language for you. Mm. And, um, you know, we've joked that, like, I'm all done cooking. I've been cooking a lot since we got here, though. Compared to the old house, yes. which is once a week. Right. I've been cooking, <laughs> I've been cooking up a storm here. Um, when I go to the store, like, I will see things that I'm like, oh, Matt would be so happy if I brought this home, you know, for him. And it might be, like, a little cupcake. <laughs> It might be beer. It might be like a fancy beer. It might be, you know, something you've never tried before or that you might like or something that I saw. And like, you know, I can come home and <laughs> it's so little. It's so simple. But I'm like, oh, I got you Pringles. Ooh, you know, I like, like Pringles. Like, you love Pringles. Like, whoa, thank you. <laughs> it's just like, it's a little thing that's a big thing. And, um, you know, and there's also, I know there's certain things that I can cook or certain dinners mm. that I can plan to make that you will be like really happy, yeah. you know, like there are, for whatever reason, we'll hit a threshold in around the first or second week of August where suddenly, and I know this after a decade, suddenly he's going to want spaghetti and meatballs. I don't know why this happens in the middle of summer heat. There's this spaghetti and meatballs, specifically spaghetti Red sauce, meatballs. He will want this to happen. I will. And I just make it happen. You know, it's a it's a tiny, tiny thing. Yes, I love it so much. And it's a really big thing. It's a big thing over time. So how do you demonstrate over a period of time that your partner matters? And then how do you still continue to demonstrate that they matter when you're in the midst of conflict? All right. So let's say that things get particularly heated you're you're having a discussion you've kind of tabled the discussion because it's not going anywhere right yeah. so like you've got to acknowledge or at like, some point you have to table it because you have to go somewhere right or that and you just have to hit pause you have to hit pause and you have to pull it together as far as i'm concerned <laughs> don't get i will be damned if anyone is gonna know that we're in the middle of a conflict Oh out God. in public hate don't that you shit. love it like you sometimes couples walk in and you're like oh i could just feel the hate feel the tension you. no like, i don't want to be in somebody's fart cloud of disagreement okay yeah. so i'm not going to put anybody in my fart cloud of disagreement like, i feel like the emperor when i was i'm like <laughs> oh i can feel their anger i can feel the hate from here i can feel the hate yeah um yeah so sometimes you have to pause also, because the the conversation is looping. Yes. And if you continue to go down that spiral of just like, this is my opinion, I'm going to double down on it, it's highly likely that you will teeter over into criticism, mm. that you will double down on defensiveness. So, four horsemen, four horsemen. And you just are like, you know what? we're just going to we're just going to pause. Like this isn't going anywhere. We have to revisit this when we're in a different mindset. Like I need some space, you need some space. Like we don't need to keep just doing rounds of cyclical conversation. Yeah. Are you still able to demonstrate in that pause that your partner matters? Yeah. Or are you going to go into stonewalling? Right. Like, are you going to not talk to each other? Are you going to ignore each other? Like, can you still do the things? It's like this little story I heard or read somewhere where someone asked their grandparents about how to keep a relationship of 57, you know, 60 years. And I think the guy said something like, well, every night, even if we were in a fight, if we went to bed not resolving the fight, they would still touch feet mm. as a simple reminder of like, I still love you, even though we just had a little fight. Like, how cute is that? I love that. <laughs> can I, I can I make a metaphor so also from the um, brilliant Annie Savoy character played mm -hmm. by Susan Sarandon in Bull Durham? Always. Where these little things, the five to one that you need to maintain, they're like ants. 
Mm-hmm. Where if you get three of them together, they don't do dick. But if you get 300 million, mm. you can build a cathedral. Look at that. Look at that. 300 million, you could build anything. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love it. She's yeah. a brilliant woman. She is. This is just endless wisdom. <laughs> this whole movie is <laughs> We need to watch that movie. Layers. Yeah, we have not watched we it yet watched this summer. We haven't watched it this summer. Oh, we should. man, we're missing out. We are. Um. So... The next thing that's really important to keep in mind is to find an opportunity, actively seek opportunity for agreement in a disagreement. Mm. Like find something you both agree on within uh, the argument or outside. We're within. like, I'm mad at you at this, but we both like hoagies from Wegmans. Yeah, that's so. probably, you know, pita bread. <laughs> <laughs> I think they call it non. Non. But you meant like within. Within. Okay. Within. Okay. Yes. What you're pissed off about, I get it. Mm. I totally understand why this pisses you off. And I actually probably have also been pissed off about the same thing before. Mm. And this is a this is another perspective that I want to present, right? Like this is another way of looking at it. Um, so where is the opportunity to recognize that you agree on something? And if you can't find it in like the specifics of the argument, we've talked, I mean, we t- the podcast is called Mutual Victory, <laughs> right? What you can agree on is that you're not fighting each other. You're fighting whatever the issue is that's on the table. That is the the puzzle to be solved. It's huh. not, you're mm. a dick. That's good. I don't like you. That might be the most challenging part of this. Absolutely. Wow. It's good. And that's why a mutual victory. <laughs> that's why mutual victory. It's like, what are you actually here to do in a relationship? Mm. Are you here to to play the game and win the game together? Right. Or are you here to be the winner while your partner is the loser? Like, right. you want to be married to a loser? That How is that playing out? Like, how, in what scenario? I've seen people who are married to losers. <laughs> in what scenario, you know? like this is your like you are an you are the alliance Mm. you are the alliance the issue is the empire figure it out together and you gotta gotta steal those metaphorical death star plans (laughs) however you can do it you gotta find the glitch you gotta find the weakness gotta find the weakness you gotta find that exhaust port like the death star might be the laundry right your partner isn't the death star so you got to figure it out right? In from that perspective. So it's like, find what you agree on. If you can't find it within the argument itself, you have to be able to return to the awareness that you are not fighting each other, mm. that there is an issue that needs to be dealt with. There needs, there's a puzzle to be solved, a game code to be cracked. Like there is something. And you know what that takes? That takes critical thinking skills. That takes being able to actually use your damn brain in the midst of an argument. And that's hard. And this is why, like, if you're so committed to being right, then you're committing to wanting to win this situation. It's like people see this. I mean, there's a great Simon Sinek gave a talk and he's like, he, you know, about businesses and how people use the term winning with regard to business. And it's like the fundamental misunderstanding between uh, an infinite game and a finite game. Whereas like a finite game has agreed upon rules, uh, an agreed upon ending and an agreed upon winner. Someone mm-hmm. will be the end of this game when it ends because it's finite based on these criteria. Mm-hmm. The infinite game has no rules. And if they do, they change. There is no winner, and the goal of the game is to stay in it as long as possible. And this type of behavior seems like people who want to win will apply finite rules to an infinite game. Your game is not to win at something, it's to stay married. (laughs) (laughs) It's to stay together. Stay together and married and and, if, and if happy are, yes well i mean i think i was implying that being together means you're happy well there are a lot of people who stay together who aren't happy also true <laughs> also true but yeah i mean it's the idea of if, if you're focusing on winning yep. or if you think you're winning double check to see if you're playing a finite game mm. and if you're not you need to reevaluate your outlook 
You're so sexy when you give this speech. I am. You really are. Aren't I? Yes. Ugh. Yep. There are some moments where I have the confidence and I shine. It's very distracting right now. <laughs> well, that's good. Because like we're about... that and the Slayer t-shirt you're wearing, I'm just... I... Well, that's a good time to wrap this up, <laughs> isn't <cavelling>. it? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and depending on the, the type of the argument, depending on how you know, how intense or how balanced you're able to be, like, you can test one of the, you can test the ratio and the overall temperature in your relationship too by, like, the joking around that can happen. Right. Yeah, because it's hard. You don't want to, like, carry around a pen and paper and, like, keep score and, like, keep track. I mean, sometimes maybe you do if it's, like, that bad. You think it's that bad? Sometimes this data collection is sort of good because you're yep. like, wow, I heard seven negative things today and one positive all day. Yeah. And it's like, if that's the pattern. Right. You know. And you know what? You can apply this to parenting too. Mm. Oh, totally. Like, yeah. I mean, you can apply it to any relationship. And, you know, like this is one of the things, and I think this is particularly important, which is a whole separate episode that we haven't recorded yet. And people have definitely asked us to. Really? Um. Is around like step parenting. Oh. Like how to how to step in to that other being that other parent that comes in and at a, a certain age and and how do you make it work and how does it actually work? And um the ratio applies particularly to that scenario because you aren't necessarily the primary caregiver. Maybe mm. you are in a step parent role, but many times that's not true. Mm. And um you know, things are received differently from step parents, whereas uh, a parent might be able to get away with a little bit more criticism, a little bit more correction. A step parent does the exact same thing and it's received in such a more heavy or weighted way. Right, yeah. So being conscious of the ratio in all of your interactions, certainly in parenting, you know, if you are showing up with some kind of criticism and, and some kind of correction, you want to make sure that that's not the only interaction mm. that you're having yeah. with your child, with your stepchild. Um, and I think it also could be applied to leadership. I really do. Oh, you know, if you're I mean, supervising someone, minimum is five to one ratio, right. you know? If, as a teacher, if yep. you're saying to your students five negative things and then a positive thing, yep. which like sometimes people do, to like, well, it is hard to earn my favor because of how rigorous my, <laughs> you know, when, yes, that's, that's the, I don't care what field you're in. It's not really the best way to talk to children. And I don't care where you teach, provided you're not teaching someone who's over 25, you're talking to children. Yeah. Children. Children. I mean, a lot of times over 25 we're talking to still children the inner chi- child of somebody anyway because right. the they dynamic. go into that like authority role scenario and you know it's like you want to have those positive interactions and that and then also when you have feedback when there is a disagreement when there is criticism it's experienced differently yeah it's experienced differently so um sometimes after we've had a conflict in our relationship right it's like someone will someone will bring it up in a joking tone a couple hours <laughs> yeah. later it's like mm, too soon too, mm, can we joke about this right now can we joke about this what um, i love is the memes or the videos on tiktok when it's like when, <laughs> when you're fighting with your spouse and you want to walk in and ask them something innocuous to see if they're still mad hey honey is the refrigerator still in the kitchen <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? Sometimes that level doesn't get to come prior to apologizing. Mm, yeah. You know, are you able to apologize to your spouse? Can you do it sincerely? Can you have empathy and apologize and and let that be, you know, a, a trend throughout your whole relationship, yeah. even outside of conflict, right? Like yeah. your, your partner might have an experience about something and it's not necessarily an argument. But you're like, oh, I can see how that would have been your perspective, right? I can totally get how I wouldn't have reacted in that way, but I understand why you would and why you did. And, you know, our partners are going to be different from us. That's one of the reasons that they're here is to show us different ways of being and how to be in that dance with somebody. So 
avoid the four horsemen avoid of the, the relationship. Relationship. Apocalypse. <laughs> we'll, we, we'll figure this out. We'll workshop it. By the next episode, we'll have a great title. <laughs> great name for this. <laughs> Good to be back, honey. Yeah. Good to be back on that podcast horse. Okay. Let's make sure we stay regular with this. Stay, uh, let's make sure we stay regular. As you leave tomorrow for a week. Okay. Yep, it's true. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. TikToks will be flowing. Oh, my God. I have certain... So I definitely... like. I have plans and goals for next week. All right. Definitely going to... I only the, heard an unhealthy one. Going to the Grotnitz Fitness Center. Okay, that's a healthy one. Already set up my chamber of self-improvement in the building in the back. I love your chamber of self-improvement. And I'm going to try to kill a whole 30-pack before you get home. I would assert that you are not needing to do any self-improvement because you're already lovely. Uh, oh. We can just chisel away at anything you need to unlearn. Right. And you're not going to chisel away at a 30-rack. No. It, well, you got to chisel because oh it's 30. You just chisel. Don't chip away. <laughs> I'm going to spiritually bypass this. Sounds good. That's a great place to end. All right. Thanks, everyone. This is Matt. This is Jeannie.